the apostles. Well, that's the wrong place to start. (laughs) A reading from the gospel according to Mark. Now that just sounds snarky. One of those days. Let's start over. Just forget what you heard. Let's just start over. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered around. (laughs) Oh, I can't do this today. Starting over. Take four or five. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. My goodness, Lord have mercy. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, Jesus saw a great crowd. And he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret, and they moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they, that he might, that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. <laughs> Finally made it through. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The apostles have just returned from a long journey, one where they went all over the region proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom come, and they healed countless people along the way. Upon their return, they are just, like, worn out. Jesus sees this, and he invites them to come away, to take a break, to withdraw from all of the chaos for just a little bit, so that they can all find some much-needed rest together. (laughs) But the apostles, (laughs) they were so successful in their journey that they essentially achieved rock star status for Jesus. (laughs) And a great crowd appears, demanding Jesus' attention. And this crowd, it sees where Jesus is looking to go with his apostles, this place of rest. So this needy throng of people, they decide to rush to that quiet, secluded, peaceful place ahead of them. And just as soon as Jesus and the apostles get off of the boat, they are smothered by this clingy, demanding, pestering crowd. If you're like me, hopefully you are not, but chances are you probably are, (laughs) right? If you're like me, you immediately begin to read your own experiences into this story as you hear it being told. And you say things like this, don't these selfish people have any boundaries? 
Jesus and his disciples, well, they're human too, right? Why not just let them rest for a little bit before you come clawing for their attention, pestering them, right? (laughs) This story, I believe at least, is designed to provoke you. It's designed to provoke this sort of reaction. It's designed for us to read our own experiences into it, where we've been interrupted and where we've been inconvenienced, especially after we've been worn thin. But within that provocation, the story also begs a question. It reels us in, (laughs) hook, line, and sinker. And it asks the question, what would you do in this situation if you were Jesus or one of the apostles? What if this was you stepping off of the boat and onto that shoreline? What if this was you, weary, fatigued, tired, spent? What if this was you being smothered by the needs of others? More to the point, What do you do in situations like these where you are burnt out and those around you don't acknowledge how much they are depleting what little energy you have left in the tank? How do you respond when all of your important plans are suddenly interrupted? How do you handle being inconvenienced? Whenever it's been a long and stressful and annoying day, how do you react whenever the kids or the grandkids come in wanting to play with you when all you want to do is like lay on the couch and zone out and rest? How do you respond? And when your entire life is a raging dumpster fire and you have your own problems to worry about, thank you very much, (laughs) how do you react whenever a friend or a family member calls wanting to vent to you about all of their own problems? How do you react? And whenever an entire planet, an entire planet is suffering under the weight of a global pandemic... How do you react? Are you more upset by the fact that billions of people are suffering and dying? Or are you more upset that your church is closed? What a freaking inconvenience. And that you can't go to Applebee's without having to wear a damn mask. How do you react? In that situation, are you more disturbed by the suffering of others? Are you more disturbed by the fact that your life has been inconvenienced, interrupted? Rather than feeling inconvenienced, rather than shooing these needy people away, we are told that Jesus was moved with compassion for them. He lets them interrupt his plans for rest, and he takes the time to teach and to heal them. And we're told that Jesus didn't just begrudgingly respond to their needs, like it's something he just had to do, like an obligation. The nuances of the original language, it specifies that Jesus actually felt it. He felt compassion for these people all the way down to his core. In his own sense of need, he responded to theirs. 
needs. And even though the crowd had no sense of his need, he fully sensed theirs. So how do you react whenever all of your important plans for yourself are suddenly interrupted? How do you handle being inconvenienced? How we answer these questions will reveal precisely just how much we have let Jesus heal us or not heal us. Now, before we start beating ourselves up, as we realize that compassion is probably not our go-to response, (laughs) let's extend some grace to ourselves here. Perhaps we have not received the depth of healing that we need, not because the medicine has been unavailable to us, but because we have never been properly instructed in how to take it. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to simply sit in silence before God, wherever you are. Don't try to pray. More times than not, we pray best whenever we stop trying to pray anyways. So don't try to pray. And don't try to push your mind in any one direction. Don't attempt to conjure up thoughts to think about. Just let yourself be. And the only instruction, besides just letting yourself be in the silence, is this. I want you to simply observe each thought as it spontaneously, spontaneously surfaces surfaces in your mind. In other words, in this time of silence, watch your thoughts, observe them as they pop up. Ready? Our time of silence begins now. Okay, come back to me. Come back to my voice. (laughs) There are so many people who have told me over the years that they suck at contemplative prayer. Well, if you're that type of person who would say that type of thing, you have no more excuses. (laughs) You just practiced contemplative prayer with me, and you did great. Good job. (laughs) Anybody can do it. Anybody can sit still before the Lord for just a little bit and observe their thoughts. That's contemplative prayer. That's the essence of it, right? Now, here's the important question, or series of questions, if you will. In that time of silence, did you let yourself chase these thoughts that popped up? Or did you run from them? Did you go from being an observer of your thoughts to being a participant in them? Did you get wrapped up enough in these thoughts that they began to poke at you emotionally, that you began to feel something? Or did you remain detached, neutral from it all? Did you let your thoughts interrupt your inner stillness? Did you let them inconvenience your inner silence? 
Or did you let these thoughts simply pass in and out, simply pass by? My friends, Christian spirituality, inner healing in our tradition, it's not about repressing our thoughts, nor is it about chasing after them either. It's about simply observing them and letting them go. It's about learning how to stop reacting impulsively to any and every thought that crosses our mind. Whenever we pray in this way, we develop a practice of praying in this way. When we understand that the essence of prayer is this, we eventually come to the point where we realize that the things that would have normally triggered us, like interruptions and the inconveniences of life, They're diffused within us before they ever become a thing. We cooperate with God's grace whenever we quit blowing our thoughts all out of proportion. Now draw aside the curtain with me for a moment and enter into the Holy of Holies of this gospel reading. Go deeper. If you are someone who has truly felt God's healing touch, you've probably learned by now that you shouldn't shoo the needy crowd of thoughts away as it smothers your mind and demands your attention. Even though these thoughts stand between you and the rest that Jesus is inviting you into, you have learned that it is wisest to treat them compassionately. All that you need to do is step off of the boat and onto the beach and teach them with silence. Heal them with silence. And the day will come when you will step off of the boat and you will discover that the needy, clingy, clawing, pestering thoughts that would normally crowd your mind, they're no longer there. Whenever the crowd of thoughts finds its healing, it no longer has any reason to interrupt your rest. And all that will be left is impenetrable, uninterrupted silence. All that will be left is the rest that you feel in Jesus' rest. If you treat your thoughts as compassionately as Jesus treated the crowd, soon enough you will find yourself treating the people around you as compassionately as you treat your thoughts.